0: podcast is presented by Wellspring of Life Church, a community of faith, hope, and purpose. Good evening, everybody. All right, so tonight uh, we're going to, as usual, be jumping all over the place. But we are going to start at the beginning and go to the end and then... Hit a bunch in between. Okay, does that sound good? All right. I was doing a devotion with my girls this morning and Reese Mann, and um, it was talking about, like, being at an all-day sermon, and it's like, maybe I should do that tonight. What do you guys think? And I'm like, oh, Dad, come on. <laughs> so I won't do that to you guys. All right, in John chapter 5, Jesus said... You search the scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life. It is these that testify about me. Later in that same chapter, he says, For if you believed Moses, you would believe me, for he wrote about me. He said those things and many others prior to going to the cross— And then following the cross, in Luke chapter 24, uh, Dave talked about this not too long ago um, on the road to Emmaus, and he's having the conversation. And he said, or it says in Luke 24, Then beginning with Moses and with all the prophets, he explained to them the things concerning himself in all the scriptures. And he explained, These are my words, which I spoke to you while I was still with you, that all things which are written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. You know, one of the things I really like when I'm reading the Bible is to find ways that Jesus is imaged in the scriptures. And... There's tons of it, right? There's tons of imagery from beginning to end of how Jesus is, is pictured. A few years ago, I got um, this Bible. It's called the Jesus Bible, and Louis Giglio and several other people working in conjunction with him put this together, and the point of this Bible is to go book by book and show how Jesus is encapsulated in the pages of the text, and it, it's phenomenal. And then there's, you know, Bible study on you version that goes along with it. If you guys want to check that out too, it's, it's really, really fascinating, and it unlocks things like, like you wouldn't normally picture as you're reading through it on your own. I've also been um, taking an online Bible, Bible course, and it's from Adam to Noah and so far, it's been spending a ton of time in the book of Genesis, naturally, if you're going to start with Adam, and, you know, a lot of things are popping, a lot of things are standing out, and, you know, I've been, I've done 14 hours worth in it so far, and we're not out of the garden yet. So, yeah, it's, it's a, it's a pretty long course, and, it's just so amazing incredible all the things that are picked out there and then to see how those themes translate throughout the rest of scripture and um, we're just going to focus on one tonight and that is the garden okay i know that's a big picture and i've talked about it before in here uh several times just because it is so rich and the bible can be understood by understanding the first few chapters of the Bible because everything keeps going back to it. Everything goes back to the beginning. The end goes back to the beginning and understanding that and and the richness that's contained in the book of Genesis, even in the creation narrative and and the stories with Adam and Eve and, and the people that come from that all the way up to Noah is it's it's incredibly deep and enlightening to say the least from beginning from the beginning of these these pages here all the way to the end um, we're, we're going to see Jesus imaged throughout this um, let's start with the very beginning so in the beginning uh, and there are several things throughout scripture that start that way in the beginning um, if you guys are looking for a page or a section to go to you can go to Genesis chapter 2 I'm just going to talk a little bit Um, Before that, but Genesis chapter 2 is where we'll read from to start with. So from the beginning, the Bible claims it is by the word that all things were made, right? Stars, galaxies, the earth, the waters, the animals, you, me, everything was made through the word, In John chapter 1, we know that Jesus is referenced that way, right? Jesus was the Word, and the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and He was with God in the beginning, right? And then the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. That is Jesus, right? I had this huge dialogue with somebody um, who was commenting on a blog that I had had written, and um, he was just, like, going crazy about how... um, how I had described Jesus. And I, I don't know, I never got to like, okay, what denomination? Maybe you're not even a Christian. I don't know like he was, he was feeling pretty pretty aggressive about the whole thing, but th- there are these people out there that're just like they separate and they, they don't wrap their, their minds around Jesus being somebody other than just the person that walked here for 33 years and then is camping out somewhere in heaven, and then is gonna come back. Like he is, and was, and always will be. In Colossians chapter one, it also talks about that all things were made through Jesus, and for Jesus, and by Jesus, all things hold together. So there shouldn't be any surprise to us that when we read the pages of this, that he's gonna be there, right? And we look outside and, and we look at our relationships and we look at other people. And it's like Jesus is enveloped in everything. And I'm not trying to get like the Hindu spirituality or the other stuff like there's a God in everybody. No, I'm not saying that, right? Jesus is interwoven in the things that he has created. And, you know, when we look at the things that image him, we're going to get to see a lot about, his character, and the purposes that he has. And it's going to unlock so much about the story that's being told on these pages. So for tonight, we're going to look at two passages, one in Genesis, one in Revelation, and we're going to see how they overlap, and then we're going to go from there. So if you guys haven't got to Genesis 2, please uh, go there if you want to follow along. We're going to just look at verses 7 through 10. A river watering the garden flowed from Eden. From there, it was separated into four headwaters. Okay, so lock all of that into your mind. And then as we go to Revelation 22, I want to see if you guys can pick up any of the overlapping themes. I know I'm a teacher, so I just can't help it. Bear with me. I'm going to be asking you guys some questions. There'll be a quiz after. All right, Revelation 22. We're going to do the first five verses. Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life as clear as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb. Down the middle of the great street of the city, on each side of the river stood the tree of life, bearing 12 crops of fruit, yielding its fruit every month, and the leaves of the tree for the healing of the nations. No longer... Will there be any curse? The throne of God and of the Lamb will be in the city and his servants will serve him. They will see his face and his name will be on their foreheads. There will be no more night. There will, be no, there will not need the light of a lamp or the light of the sun for the Lord God will give them light and they will reign forever and ever. All right. So what are some overlapping themes you guys saw in those two? Just shout them out. River. River tree tree of life the lamb okay all right very good very good tonight we are going to focus on two of those we're going to focus on on the water on the rivers and the tree okay and we're going to talk about how those two things are pictured in the person of jesus and the mission of jesus So back in Genesis 2, verse 10, it mentions the water of life. And then here in Revelation 22, verse 1, it also talks. And then later on, if you kept kept reading, it'll mention again in verse 17. So the water of life is a huge theme throughout. You can trace it, trace it throughout, do a word study on it. It's it's really neat. It's a great place to start out. Uh, I'm going to focus on just a few of those passages and what it's trying to tell us about the significance of water and how that can help us understand who Jesus was and is and what he's doing. So one, of the, one early example, we're just going to look at the book of Jeremiah. And I'm going to go through so many verses, so don't feel like you have to flip to each one. Um, but in Jeremiah chapter 2, through Jeremiah, God is, is reaching out to the people of Israel and it's not like a super awesome, like, you guys are doing so good, like an attaboy message, as you guys know who've read Jeremiah. But instead, he's, I think Jeremiah being the weeping prophet is a reflection of God weeping over his creation, weeping over the people who have gone astray. And here in verse chapter 2, verse 13, God says, My people have committed two sins. They have forsaken me, the spring of living water and have dug their own cisterns, broken cisterns that cannot hold water. So in this, you've got living water. Who is the living water? Yeah, when, when God is saying, um, and this is the other thing that, that the guy had a problem with on the, the post, like I kept going interchangeably between God and Jesus, but they're one in mission and purpose and we were together in the beginning. So you guys, you guys know the story. Let's get back into this. I won't go down that rabbit trail. Hopefully not again. So spring of living water. You've got that imagery of God being a spring of living water and telling the people through Jeremiah that people aren't coming to him for that living water. They're doing their own thing. They're digging their own wells that are broken, Later in Jeremiah in chapter 17, verse 13, Jeremiah says of God, Lord, you are the hope of Israel. All who forsake you will be put to shame. Those who turn away from you will be written in the dust because they have forsaken the Lord, the spring of living water. So in the garden, we've got water. In the end, we're gonna have water. Throughout here, it's talking about God as being a source of Of living water. Isaiah talked about the topic as well. In Isaiah chapter 12, he says, Behold, God is my salvation. I will trust and I will not be afraid. For the Lord God is my strength and my song of salvation. So we stop right here. Already we can see that that water is a good reflection of life, of salvation, of living, and the source of that. Is God. So as we move on, what does that mean for Jesus? And what does that mean for us? What is that trying to tell us about who he is, what our role is in all of this? Well, let's go back to John for that. And in John chapter 4, in a really cool story, Jesus is talking with who? Anybody remember who Jesus is talking to in John 4? meets with an unsuspected person. At least she uh, didn't expect it. The lady at the well, right? Who had had several wives and was living with somebody who wasn't her husband. Yep. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) Um, So the person that she was living with was not her husband either, and Jesus is going to have an amazing conversation with her and in that conversation, you know, they're going to go back and forth about water, and he's going to ask her for a drink, and then all of that is to open up the conversation about, about water and how that reflects on him specifically. And he ends up telling her that if you, were, if, you didn't, or if you knew who was sitting right here in front of you, you would be asking me for a drink. And he goes on to say that everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again, talking about the water in the well. But everyone, um, let me see, but whoever drinks of the water that I give them will never thirst again. The water that I will give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. Later on in John, in chapter 17, he's gonna say something very similar, and he's at one of the feasts, and, and they had this um, this part of the celebration where they would dump out water um, to, to reflect the importance of water, the significance, and at that point, Jesus is going to stand up, and he is going to extend an invitation. He says, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as scripture has said, out of this heart will flow rivers of living water. So we can see that this theme of water is, is pretty important, right? It's in the beginning, it's in the end. God is the spring of water, but wait, here it says that we're going to be springs of living water. And how do we become springs of living water? Because of who can give us the water And Jesus has the ability to give that water because he was there in the beginning and created it because he was the word, right? And because he's the word, he has the ability to extend this invitation. And as God is saying throughout scripture and and the Old Testament passages I wrote, he's like, you guys aren't coming to me. And as you guys know that are familiar with the Old Testament over and over and over again, people kept refusing to come to God for the nourishment that they needed, for the direction that they needed to sustain them. So what does God say? I'm coming to you. I'm coming to you. In the form of a little baby who is going to be raised and taken care of, and as he enters adulthood he's going to crack the world wide open. And instead of waiting on us to come to him, he is going to come firsthand and just start touching people and reaching out to people. And he's like, here you go. I've got the springs of living water at my fingertips. Come to me and I'll give it to you. It doesn't cost you anything. All it costs you is coming to me to accept the invitation You had the river in Eden, and sin ruptured everything, and all of a sudden you've got this separation between heaven and earth. The living water isn't here anymore. It's gonna be here in the end, we know that. So instead, Jesus comes here, and he's he's setting up springs of living water all over the world. We got springs of living water all over in this church right here. At least that's the way we're supposed to be, right? We're supposed to be overflowing with the water that was right there in Eden because the source of the water in Eden came here, hung on a cross, and said, it's yours. All you have to do is come to me and drink. And now we have that source. We can drink from it all the time continually and extend it to other people by introducing them to Jesus. All right, let's go to the next theme. Let's talk about the tree. So in Genesis chapter 2, verse 9, and then in Revelation 22, verse 2, it mentioned a tree of life. If you were to read further on in Revelation 22, you'll you'll read more interesting things about the tree that's pretty incredible. But the Bible uses this tree imagery a lot, right? We're gonna look at Proverbs chapter 3 for an example. It says, blessed is the one who, who finds wisdom and the one who gets understanding for the gain from her is better than the gain from silver and her profit better than gold. She is more precious than jewels and nothing you desire can compare with her. Long life is in her right hand and in her left hand are riches and honor. Her ways are ways of pleasantness and all her paths are peace. She is a tree of life to those who lay hold of her. Those who hold her fast are called blessed. That's Proverbs 3, verses 13 through 18. So what's being talked about here is you've got a tree of life is equated with wisdom. What two trees were in the garden in the middle? The tree of the knowledge of good and evil and the tree of life. A good way to understand those is Man's wisdom versus God's wisdom. And it really comes down to that, that Satan just tricked us and tricks us all the time into seeking our own wisdom on things rather than going to God for it. Because over and over throughout the Bible, it, it illustrates wisdom as bringing life, but it's not our wisdom. It's not what we get at a university or studying. It's what we get from him it is a supernatural wisdom from God and that's what this tree held but they picked the other tree right they picked their own understanding and as we've seen that's gone really well for the world right (laughs) you know more and more as the bible says they're they're calling good what is evil and what is evil what is good they're just still eating from the tree the wrong one over and over and because they ate from the wrong tree in the garden, what did God do with the other tree? You remember? He took it out. He took it out because, I know you know there's a lot of speculation to it, but he took it away because what are we gonna do if we eat from a tree of eternal life and live eternally in our own stink and mess? Right? But the tree of life is not gone because we saw it again in Revelation, but we saw it before that too. Enter Jesus, right? So we'll get back into that in just a minute. Also in Proverbs 11:30, 30, it says the fruit of the righteous is a tree of life and whoever captures souls is wise. So you've got righteousness and wisdom, both compared to a tree of life. Righteousness is simple. It's living rightly, right? And you can't live rightly without godly wisdom, right? So those things have to be connected with each other. And you go back to the garden, if they ate from the correct tree, which they could have, then they would have lived with God's spiritual, supernatural wisdom and lived in God's righteousness all the days of their life. And the world would have looked a whole lot different, right? But we've experienced Jesus and for all of us. What other tree do you guys know of in scripture that holds significance? The cross. Yeah, the cross. The cross is referred to as the tree, as a tree. A lot. And to understand the significance that that tree holds, it was first, not first, but it was talked about a lot by Isaiah. I'm not sure, Dave will probably get to this passage um, later on in his study, but Isaiah 53, verses 3 through 6, talks about the importance of what that tree did and talking about Jesus, the man of sorrows here. He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows. And with his wounds, we are healed. So because we ate and continue to eat from the wrong tree, Jesus had to hang on another tree. And that other tree, that tree, brings the healing from the brokenness caused by the other tree. It brings life. Life through the blood of Jesus. Life through the sacrifice of Jesus. In Psalm 1, it talks about a person and, and uses this illustration of a person being planted. It says, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked nor stands in the way of sinners nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord and on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season, and its leaves does, do not wither. in all that he does, he prospers. So here in that one psalm, we see both the river and the tree. And this is talking about a person. This is talking about what we can be. The offer of God on our lives is to be a tree, is to be like the garden, to be like it was in the garden, to be a tree of life, to be able to be by the living water, to be feeding from the, li- the, the living water, and to be bearing fruit, right? You guys know about the fruit analogy. It's, it's used all the time. Jesus said, you'll know a tree by its fruit. Paul talks about the fruit of the Spirit, you know, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, all of those things. Like, we have the opportunity to bear those things, and those are a reflection of the tree of life. And it's the description of somebody who has partaken in the tree of life, who has eaten from the tree of life. Jesus said, and this is what threw a lot of people off, you're going to have to eat from my flesh to get life, right? It's a, it's a depiction of eating from the tree that he is going to set up. The tree of life is what we need to be eating from. It's why we take communion, right? To remember that, to participate in that. So what's the main idea? What are both of these things pointing to? What is the water pointing to and the tree pointing to? Life, and, and Christ, obviously, yes, So we've got the water of life, and we've got tree of life. It's pointing to life. God, through the word, created life. He didn't create death, right? Sin did that. He created life. And things were amazing in the garden. It was full of life, and we messed it up. And we continue in ways to mess it up but that's not the original purpose of God. And that is not the purpose on your life. That is not the purpose on my life. We are meant to bring life, to speak life, to live a way that brings life to other people. And Jesus is ultimately the source of that life. And he can be the source of that life because he was the word and he was in the beginning with God and he was God Right? Let's go back to Colossians again. I'll read those for you. Um, Colossians chapter 1 verses 16 through 17. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through him and for him, and he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. Seems pretty clear, right? To back it up, John chapter 1. John chapter 1, verses 3 and 4, it says, All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. One of my favorite parts of The Chosen was when um, Jesus was reading from the scrolls, and he had talked to John, and he's like, asked John, what do you think I should read from? You know, John's, like, being John, and being humble, and all those things, like, I can't offer that suggestion, and then when they go out, and Jesus starts reading, he reads from Genesis chapter 1, and in the beginning, and how does John start his gospel? And in the beginning, and that relationship, and and the unveiling, and the way that Jesus just showed himself to his disciples had to be so incredible, and he wants us to know, he wants you to know, he wants me to know that in him is life, that he came to offer that life that was in the garden, that was in the beginning, that was beautiful, and the promise, and everything that God wanted, That was good and amazing. He comes, and he offers that to us, and we can take that straight from Scripture, straight from His words. I'm going to read several of these passages from Jesus Himself and how He describes Himself. In John 14, verse 6, one of the verses that a lot of people have memorized, so I'm going to have you guys fill in the blanks. Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. The life. No one comes to the Father except through Me. He can make that claim. Again, because He is the Word and He was with God in the beginning and everything was spoken through the Word and created everything, He can offer it because of who He is. He was there, He was part of the creation of life, so He can offer that life. John 10.10, a lot of us have this memorized as well. The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. I came that they may have and have it abundantly. You know, in John chapter 6, Jesus makes a lot of comparisons between himself and and the bread imagery, the bread from heaven. And in verse um, 33 of John chapter 6, he says, For the bread of God is he—that probably threw some people off, like, wait, what, he? Wasn't it manna? Wasn't this stuff that that came down to Israel? But no, he says, The bread of God is he— who comes down from heaven and gives to the world. Gives life to the world. And 15 verses later, in verse 48, he says, I am the bread of... We're getting a common theme here, right? (laughs) Life is in Jesus. He is the author of life. He is the source of life. He is the hope of for us to have life here and in the future. So I think, guys, I think we're left with the same question that the first humans had. We can choose one tree or the other. Um, We can drink from one source, the living water source, or we can go dig our own cisterns. And the result is going to be the same for us as it has been throughout history. On one, you've got life. On the other, you don't, right? You have brokenness. And he tells the nation of Israel, I lay before you life and death, and he implores on them, choose life. And that same offer is before us every single day. When we wake up, we're going to have opportunity after opportunity after opportunity to choose life or death. Some days are better than others. Some days are worse than others. Enter once again Jesus, the eternal source of life, the eternal source of grace, the eternal source of mercy, the eternal do-overs that we all need day in, day out. Because of our attitudes, because of our speech, because of our actions, because of our thoughts. Thank you, Jesus, for being an ever-flowing, endless source of living water and a tree of life for us because we need to drink from it and feed from it every single day, all day long. So I think what we have and what Jesus is asking you and what he's asking me are a couple questions, and these are a couple questions I want to leave with you guys tonight to ponder along with me, is will you take the life that is being offered to you? Will you drink from the waters and eat from the tree that I am giving to you? Or will you try to find your own way, a way that doesn't lead to life, but away from it? And you can apply that to your own situations because it applies to every situation that every human being has ever found themselves in, and be praying for wisdom, which comes from the tree of life, which comes from Jesus, which comes from that life in Jesus. What are you struggling with right now in your life? Are you do you find yourself at a crossroads? Do you find yourself bur- um, just buried under stress or under worry or under anxiety or under depression? A good um, depiction of that or a good um, outcome from that is or revelation from that is you're probably not drinking from the right source and you're probably not eating from the right source. I know I've been weighed down. I've been heavy hearted. Um, I went through up to this week. You know this week's been, it's been good. But I went through a couple weeks where I was just bogged down mentally, physically, emotionally and I kept trying to go back to the waters and I would drink from it and then I'd walk away and go build another cistern somewhere else to drink from for a while. I'd maybe come pluck a a fruit from the tree of life and then go back to the other tree and it just, it wasn't working for me and I was, you know, it was weighing on on the relationships in my life and it it was hard and I could tell and I had so many moments where I'm just like, Jesus, what? what am I doing wrong here? And every time I just felt him say, just come to me, just come sit with me, come be with me, it's going to be okay. And we have to do that a lot, right? We might even know the right answer. We might even know, okay, I'm not drinking from the right waters right now, and we might have to just keep going back and keep going back until finally we can just sit by the waters. We can be planted by the waters. And that's why I love the picture in, in Psalm 1. Somebody who's going to bear fruit needs to be planted. You're not moving, right? And that's our goal, right? To stay planted by the river, planted by the living water, drinking from it continuously over and over again and bearing that fruit, being that well of living water overflowing onto the people's lives around us. So tonight, I hope that you will join with me in choosing him and choosing life. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message by Wellspring of Life Church in Western Colorado. If you'd like to learn more about our community, please visit wellspringoflifechurch.com. So I will lift up, lift up my heart.